Several weeks back on this show, you heard from the dozens of agency owners and leaders we spoke to at Inbound this year that the number one place they'd invest extra budget dollars, if they magically had them tomorrow, that is, was in marketing their own agency. This has really got me thinking since those conversations. One, why is this such a common answer? And number two, maybe even more so, what can agencies start doing to address this self-identified need, even if an extra $10,000 per month doesn't show up in their mailboxes? Because let's face it, it probably isn't going to. That's exactly why I was excited to have Danielle Photo with Momentum Marketing on this week's episode of Agency Life. She's run her own firm and now specifically helps other agencies implement the Momentum Framework to build a repeatable revenue generation system. In this conversation, Danielle shares how to free up founder time for more business development and marketing efforts today, how to involve your entire team in your agency's marketing with what she calls structured volunteering, how you could use a podcast for your agency as a strategic sales tactic, not just a marketing lever, and the surprising persona within your team that just might make for your next great salesperson for the agency. To kick things off, let's hear from Danielle about an agency that turned around their floundering marketing efforts and became well-known in their niche within just 12 months after making an important shift. They are very, very, very technically skilled, very, very good at their subject matter. They know what they're doing. They know how to do it well. They know how to deliver, but they were not going to market in any sort of industry vertical. And that was really holding them back. And they couldn't seem to get any traction in their sales pipeline because they weren't known for solving a problem among a specific group of of people, a, a specific set of companies. And because of that, they were just like, okay, another option, like, cool, that's awesome that you do that. But they never became top of mind. And so focusing down on an industry vertical with them made significant improvements for their sales pipeline. They were able to actually become recognized in an industry in less than 12 months even. So it is possible to pivot and get some direction, get some traction quickly. And so that was kind of like a combo, like fail, success uh, story in that. But it's really, really common, Logan. And that's why I bring it up is especially because many marketing agencies that have been around for a long time, they didn't have to be specialized in the beginning and they did fine. But now, because the competitive landscape is so much tougher, you have to be industry vertical specific. Interesting. And I love that you call out there not only the specificity with maybe an industry that you serve, but a problem that you solve. That was really kind of the crux of a previous episode where we had Nick Bennett on from Harness and Hone. And he's talking to so many agencies and they they really struggle to answer this simple question. What problem do you solve? Right. Some of them might be able to say what industry they serve or what sort of service they deliver. But without getting clear on the problem that they solve, then they become what what he calls a replaceable agency, which is very much in line with what you're saying here. It becomes tougher to differentiate. It becomes tougher to win those deals, even when you do have the notoriety and the attention of your potential clients. Maybe they are entertaining you, right? But doesn't mean you're winning that deal. The other thing we've discussed here on this podcast quite a bit was 
you know, I had the chance to interview nearly two dozen agency leaders at Inbound at Boston HubSpot's annual conference here several weeks back. And we found that about 40% of agencies that we interviewed, if they had an extra 10,000 bucks a month, they would put it right into marketing their own agency. Now that's interesting on two sides, right? Because it's a common answer, but it's still a common problem. So why do you think that that exists and the the problem still persists, if you will? I think a lot of that happens because they are operationally not sure one where that money would come from without having to size up on the operations side. And so that money automatically gets depleted and they they have this vision of what they would do with an extra $10,000 a month for marketing spend, but then they can't actually get there because they haven't fully operationalized what they need to, to get the leader out of some of the client engagements, to be able to do that and to scale and have revenue coming in without all hands on deck all the time. So I think that's one of the biggest challenges. The other two is uh, agencies tend to have identity crises. And I mean that in the sense of it's so much harder to do for yourself what you do for others. And so even a full service marketing agency, a creative firm, a branding agency, like they can do the most amazing work for clients and be so stuck when it comes to doing that same work for themselves. And so they get into this weird grind. They might have different perspectives on their leadership team that aren't quite in alignment. And so they get stuck and then they don't move forward. Most agencies are very flat hierarchy structure. And so with that comes some of those challenges of not always having leadership where it needs to be to make a decision to move forward and actually hold people accountable to something, even if it's not what they personally would go along with. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think it's something that's going to tie into what you talk about in doing demand gen for your agency as a team sport, that I think that that flat hierarchy in a lot of agencies could actually be something that they could leverage as an opportunity. But as you point out here, it is also a risk. It does also contribute to some of the problems that we see here. You know, Danielle, you were calling out something just the other day to me about, we were talking about the stat. Uh, from that previous episode of 40% of agencies we interviewed would invest in marketing if they had those dollars. You called out something from our state of agency operations report from teamwork.com that stood out to you as it relates to the sales and marketing of agencies marketing themselves. What was that one? And why do you think that that is important to this conversation? Yeah. And I highly encourage that everyone listening, go download that report. It's got a really a really succinct way of breaking down some of the big problems in agencies. But this particular stat stood out to me personally because in the report, one third of agency owners' time was going towards biz dev efforts. That's like 15 hours a week, maybe. That's not very much when biz dev is supposed to be the driving force. And most biz dev is actually driven by the founders, especially for smaller agencies. So where is that time? actually being sucked away. Well, it's going into meetings and it's going into team management for 70% of agency owners. So 
to me, when I saw those two stats, immediately my brain went to, well, imagine what would happen if the team was equipped to handle more client meetings and team meetings without the leader present so that the leader could be focusing for even just five more hours a week on business development efforts. What would that mean for your sales pipeline? For most agencies, that could be a magnitude of 20%, 30% growth if you could just have that time back in your day. Uh, that's that's really interesting to think about, Danielle, looking at, okay, if this is the benchmark, if this is the amount of time that the founder's spending on business development efforts, how can we, maybe if, you know, looking at two, three Xing that just isn't reasonable to to shoot for, what would an incremental increase to that look like? And so mm-hmm. well, I, my follow-up question to you is, what are some of the questions that agency owners who are, uh, they're solely responsible for sales and marketing of the agency, they're only spending, you know, X number of hours a week doing that. What are some of the questions they could ask themselves of meetings they could back out of or ways to find the low-hanging fruit of things to delegate? Maybe what springs to mind for you to give people maybe two, three, four things to, to jot down and take away on this point today? Mm -hmm, Absolutely. So a lot of agency owners are still very hands-on with client strategy. And that is a big area where training and delegation, equipping your team, your higher level PMs, your account managers to lead the charge on those strategic initiatives would actually, one, equip your team to grow and scale from a, a bottom up perspective, but would also enable you, the leader, to step back from doing all of the marketing strategy for your clients and actually allocate that brain space to the marketing strategy for your own agency. So that's a huge area of opportunity. The other area of opportunity is to even have your team involved in some of the implementation of the marketing and biz dev efforts. So I like to talk to agencies about evaluating initiatives and um, marketing playbooks based off of the superpowers of their team, because ultimately lead generation should be viewed as a team sport. And if you look at allocating maybe three to four hours a week of each individual contributor's time towards specific marketing activities, you would literally be multiplying the amount of effort going into your marketing and biz dev by a factor of 5, 10, 15x simply by doing that. What are some of the ways that you have seen teams be able to activate that? If they're, if they take your advice, Danielle, and they're saying, okay, let's look at one step one, I hear you saying is let's increase the amount of time towards sales and marketing activities of the founder. And let's also incrementally add on to that a few hours a week of multiple team members. Now we're starting to see some growth, even though we didn't start out with, you know, an unrealistic expectation of the founders only going to do sales and marketing and nothing else else because that's, you know, going to sound great for about two, three days and not really be uh, something you can execute on. Right. What are some of the ways the founders that you consult with, they've found some of those superpowers that they could activate among their team members to get them involved in this as a team sport is, I love the way you put it. Yeah. A lot of times what it looks like is structured volunteering. So let me unpack what that means. So you don't want just everyone willy-nilly doing something that they think they should do. 
But you do want people invested in what they're doing, enjoying what they're doing to market the agency and passionate about how that ties into what other people are working on. And so oftentimes success is found by having like a brainstorming team meeting, getting heads together, maybe having like a whiteboard session, like a dream board session, and then asking some of the tough questions like, what if we could? And then really taking and running with it from there. Taking those ideas then and then developing some sort of structured plan of what are going to be the main focus initiatives and campaigns that we're going to work on this year or over this specific time period, and then starting to get volunteers for specific items. And then after that, you want to hold people accountable too, right? And so using an agile board, um, like a scrum board to do that works really well. Teamwork has functionality for lists and assigning everything to. I'm a huge project management proponent. So definitely add your own marketing efforts into that because you can track who's doing what, how long it's taking them, and you can reallocate resources as needed as well. And then you also want to make sure that you're tracking what is working and what is not. Now, the tricky thing with a lot of the tactics that work for agencies is some of them are so soft that you really can't attribute them, but you know that they're working. And so you have to come to peace with some of that as well. Yeah. And I think we'll get into it in a bit. I know that you're a big proponent of looking at not only your lag measures, but some of those lead measures that it, that relate to your marketing efforts as an agency. Some of the things that you're probably, again, doing for your clients. But as you called out, I think rightly so earlier, not everything that you do for your clients is going to work for yourself as an agency. And so as you look at We're going to get more time from the founder invested in sales and marketing. We're going to carve out a little bit of time from the team members, and we're going to look at what strengths that they can offer to the things that might work. The next thing is kind of looking at what mix of of tactics when it comes to your go-to-market motions might be right for you as an agency. So how do you see some agencies kind of looking at that mix, making those prioritization decisions, and I guess any commonalities that you're seeing of, you know, a certain type of motion that's working well for agencies that may or may not be the right fit for their clients that they're serving. Right. Well, and that's that's the thing, Logan, is a lot of times agencies get stuck trying to show that they eat their own dog food per se, that if they're a web dev company, they spend all of their time and resources internally on making sure that their website is the coolest, shiniest, most amazing website ever. And then they don't spend any time or money on going to networking events. They don't spend any time or money really digging into account-based marketing tactics. They don't spend any time or money on building out an actual lead conversion campaign, getting some good content marketing going. And so they struggle. But if you look at what works for agencies, it's a combination of inbound marketing, account-based marketing, and relationship marketing. So under these categories, there's a lot of different tactics. Those tactics are going to change. The vehicles are going to change. But within those buckets, you're identifying ways to draw people in to your agency organically. With account-based marketing, you're looking at who are we actually going after and then going after them in strategic ways. And with the third, relationship marketing, you're building strategic relationships with partners and you're also focusing on your existing clients. Some agencies do not focus on their book of business nearly and enough and they lose a lot of opportunities. So focusing on those three areas is really important. Now, here's here's another one that different agencies find varying levels of success here. And usually it's differentiated between whether or not that agency is servicing enterprise level companies 
or if they're servicing small businesses. This doesn't usually work for small businesses. It usually works for enterprise client-based agencies of doing outbound sales work as well. So look at some of those options too. No one likes doing it. It's not very fun, but it is another element that can tie in as long as you're doing those three other elements as well. You don't want to just do outbound. You have to be doing the others as well. Yeah. And one that I would call out that I think combines the the outbound with the ABM with the content that worked well for us at Sweetfish Media, a podcast production agency I was at for four years. I was actually initially tasked with sales and then took on other leadership roles overseeing our client services teams, things like that. But one thing that we did is we had our own podcast. Now, this was dogfooding a little bit because we were a podcast production agency, but we used our podcast not primarily as an audience growth and an inbound engine, but as account-based marketing and overlapping that with outbound. And what I mean there is we were serving primarily mid-market B2B SaaS companies, and we typically sold to you know a director of content or a VP of marketing. So those folks, we would identify who are the target accounts that would buy our podcast production services, and we would invite them to be guests on yep. our podcast, B2B growth. And then naturally, a sales conversation would come up from there. And we get a little bit more sophisticated in actually kind of creating those hand raiser opportunities. But that was a way for us to truly do outbound in a way that really didn't suck as much as outbound uh, typically does. And right. for the agencies that really don't want to do kind of your typical outbound. So that's what I'll say there, but I'll, I'll yeah. stop and let you chime in on that too. No, Logan, that's perfect. And I advocate that method very regularly. And I talk to my agency clients about doing a podcast, not for sake of typical podcast metrics, but for actually establishing relationships and getting people to actually engage with your outreach. I mean, between LinkedIn and email, you can actually get people to respond if you're inviting them to be a guest on your podcast in ways that never would work if you're just trying to pitch them on having a conversation about what you do. And so that's really great because another thing that I talk about all the time is that conversations lead to consultations, which lead to clients. And a lot of times, especially the accidental agency owners, they are so scared of having conversations with people that they avoid it at all costs. And that is to their detriment all the time. Like 10 times out of 10, it's to your detriment if you're not having conversations with people. And yes, it feels like you don't have time in your day to do what you want to do. And that's true because you'd rather be creating. But if you want your agency to thrive, you have to actually have conversations with people. Not all conversations are going to go somewhere, but the percentage that turns into a consultation and that percentage that turns into clients, it's how you're going to keep your business going. Yeah, really great advice. One resource I would point people to that helped me in my own career journey through sales and partnerships and marketing and the winding path that I've had through agency sales as part of that was The Introvert's Edge. I believe it's Matthew Pollard. I may be getting the author's name wrong, but we'll link to that in the show notes. But The Introvert's Edge is a really great book if you find yourself as kind of that maybe introverted agency owner who's maybe more creative, you love the the work, the passion, you never got into it to really sell and to, you know, run a sales pipeline and a sales process and those sorts of things. So that could be one if you find yourself in the shoes that Danielle was really describing there. Well, Danielle, the other thing I think that um, I'm talking with a lot of agencies about right now is that even if they are dedicating time to their own marketing efforts, if they're getting people involved 
it really doesn't mean anything unless they have a compelling offer. And I'd love to pick your brain about what you are typically advising other agency owners about on this front as it ties into their sales and marketing, because they could do all the right how that we've been talking about so far. But if they're not marketing the right what ties into something you mentioned earlier, then it may fall flat on its face, right? Yeah. So Logan, this is where a lot of difficult conversations get had because especially for creatives that go out on their own and start an agency, they do that because they are passionate about what they do and they want people to buy it from them. And they're not thinking about if there's demand for it and what the value proposition actually is. And so A lot of times they set themselves up on a very tough path unintentionally. So there are some ways to to get off that path and onto a a straighter, more, more profitable path too, but that happens very regularly. And so what you want to be looking at as an agency owner is, are there actually problems that I'm solving and am I creating new problems with my solution that I need to solve for? Those are two things that I talk to agency owners about very regularly because it's easier to identify a problem to solve, but then forget to solve for the follow-up problems. A lot of times this happens with like MarTech implementation companies. So agencies that are implementing MarTech, they're solving a problem, yes, and they're, they're able to get a client signed and onboarded but then it kind of stalls and then there's a lot of like client expectations that aren't met and lots of headaches and lots of loss to the bottom line because you're trying to get the client back up to speed or uh, delight them and keep them from being unhappy. And that's because there are new problems that have been created that have not yet been solved for. And so in those kinds of cases, you want to be looking at, okay, if we're implementing this solution, it could be MarTech, it could be, you know, development, it could be graphic design, it could be marketing strategy, it could be anything, but what are the problems that are going to happen afterwards and how do you need to solve for those? So here's here's another really great specific example. So full service marketing agency, they work with dentists exclusively and they identified, okay, we can do full service marketing. We can do their websites. We can do their content marketing. We can do their social media. We can do emails, but we're driving all of these leads. And then their front office people are not actually closing the leads. They're not actually getting patients booked for appointments. And so they implemented service offerings to do sales training and phone training with the front office people. Not typically something a marketing agency would do, but it solves a lot of problems and it keeps them from losing clients because the marketing is actually generating new patients. Even though they were always generating marketing results, the sales follow through wasn't there until they stepped in and solved that problem too. So that's a specific example as well. Logan, have you seen anything else? What are you hearing from agencies? Well, I think you hit the nail on the head because that was my next question for you was what's an example of, you know, a problem being created by solving a problem as an agency. And I think that is a really good one. A friend of mine, Rex Beberston, has a sales development agency and no fluff selling. And in talking with him, he's shared a little bit about, you know, do we want to create efficient operations for the sales organization in the business? Or do we want to just say, hey, we could do all this, but then you're going to have SDRs who aren't really the right fit for the job. I can, you know, we could do all these things in HubSpot and operation 
analyze all of these things, but then you don't have the right talent to execute on it. So then it becomes, you know, do you offer training or do you offer more of a done for you service? And I think that's really where the agency, you know, just like Rex's shop, any other is going to have to one, they've got to be aware of the problem that they're creating by the problem that they're solving. That is kind of the one-liner from this episode I really love so far, Danielle. But then you have to probably test and experiment what are different ways to solve that problem, just like we're talking about here in Rex's case and similar to the client that you mentioned there. Is that kind of in line with what you're saying? Absolutely. And to add on top of that, you have to be okay with it being a little bit messy while you're testing. So if you want to speed up the testing process, you might have, I'm a big fan in a lot of agency scenarios of having like pod structures with your employees. That's a conversation for a different day. But if you have a pod structure with your teams, you can have different pods with different sets of clients, try implementing uh, different service fixes to that second problem that's being created and then see what works. Have them leave the charge on some of that too, so that you, the leader, don't have to be managing all of it because you can't. You're one person, there's only 24 hours in a day, and you have a capable team underneath you that is ready and willing to keep the agency moving forward if you just enable them to do so. So be okay with a little bit of messy while you're testing so that you can iterate a little bit faster is another thing that I would advise. Hey there, it's Logan with Teamwork.com. I wanted to take a quick timeout from this conversation to ask you just a few questions. Are you an agency leader looking at the year ahead with concerns about AI, inflation, employee turnover, and client retention all at the same time? Are you curious how your peers are managing similar concerns and thinking about the path forward? If so, I've got some good news for you. Teamwork.com recently partnered with Audience Audit to gather responses from over 500 agencies around the globe into a comprehensive research report, the State of Agency Operations 2023 edition. And to make it easy for you as a regular listener of Agency Life, we've linked to it right in the description of this episode. So if you want insights from fellow agency leaders about how they're managing profitability, employee utilization rates, the use of new AI tools, and over-servicing clients, check that link in the description of this episode episode and access the 2023 State of Agency Operations Report today. All right, let's get back to the rest of the conversation with today's guest. Be okay with a little bit of messy while you're testing so that you can iterate a little bit faster is another thing that I would advise. Yeah, absolutely. And as you're iterating, as you're innovating on these different ways to, you know, build new services and then market those services, you're going to have to have a mix of measurement tools and measurement approaches, especially because it is going to be messy, as yeah. you pointed out earlier. So what are some of your recommendations to agency owners on that front, Danielle? Yeah, well, let me start with one thing before I answer your question. It'll tie in. The other thing I see very commonly is that so many agency owners are hyper-focused on solving every possible operations problem that could result from what they sell that they don't sell enough. And so another thing that I advise specific clients is not everyone, this is case by case, but if I identify an agency owner that is so stuck in operations that they can't they can't actually sell something, I tell them to sell something first and then operationalize it. It scares them to death. But that is something also to consider. Now let's get into some operational functionality, some specific tools in how to actually do this. That was your question, right, Logan? Was it tools or? Okay. So 
specific tools. I don't know if you're going to kick me off this podcast for saying this because I do like Asana as well. Asana is another great tool as well as teamwork. Time tracking is huge though. It does not matter where you're, where you're in project management wise or what you're selling. You need to be tracking time. Now, some agencies, they have a lot of clients. I work with one, for example, they're actually a print shop. And so they have such a volume of accounts that time tracking for them is not super practical. So what they've done is actually selected specific accounts that they track time for, and they don't track it for the super small ones. So that's something that you can do if you feel like, well, I've got like 250 clients. I don't think that we can actually do that. Pare it down. Get a good set, a sample size that you can track and monitor and do it that way. But you should be tracking time. You have to. And you should be tracking time on your marketing and this step efforts too, which most of the time does not get looked at because it doesn't happen. So look at that too. Other operational items, making sure, I think too, with the the changes that you're iterating upon, having some agility in the way that you're operationalizing those at the beginning is really important. So this is more a word of caution than a tool, Logan, but word of caution being don't build out your full operations, go-to roadmap, all of the checklists, like everything. Don't build that out until you've tested it a solid number of times on clients and worked out some of the kinks and then build that. Again, this goes back to what I was just saying of don't try to over-operationalize something that hasn't even sold yet. You want to sell it first, make sure you're solving all of the problems for the client, solving any problems that are created, and then you can build your operational system around it and then roll it out for your whole team to implement. So many great things there, Danielle. I'll, I'll call out one. We're not kicking you off the podcast. I personally was part of an agency. We ran on Asana. I've converted into, obviously, I work for teamwork.com, but we see a lot of agencies who are managing tasks in a tool like Asana, but mm-hmm. they move to teamwork.com because it, it gives them the ability to do exactly what you just said there and manage the work, but also manage their capacity and their time tracking all within one platform as opposed to bringing together multiple tools and then be able to pull some reporting out of that based on not only what was completed, but the time it took to complete it, which falls in line with exactly what you've said there. Because one mistake I made as an agency leader myself was exactly what you were talking about there, over-operationalizing, because we realized, hey, it was the wild, wild west. We didn't even have any sort of project management platform that was really robust in the early days. And so we swung to the other direction and tried to over-operationalize things that we hadn't fully executed yet. And what it reminds me of is is two separate things. A long time back in another podcast I hosted, I had one of the co-founders of Trainual, Chris Ronzio on, and he said, do it, document it, delegate it. And I would say you could fit kind of the operationalizing into that third piece of, of delegating it. If you kind of do that first before you've done it, and then you've documented what worked, what didn't, the tweaks, those sorts of things, then you get into the problem that you just mentioned there where you're over-operationalizing something that might not work. Right. Right. The other thing that uh, it reminded me of was Ali Schwanke, founder of SimpleStrat, who's a teamwork.com customer and partner. She's been a guest on this show. She kind of documented their own journey at SimpleStrat of, you know, going to the nth degree of documentation of, hey, if I'm standing up for my office and I'm going to the, the kitchen, I do run the risk if I'm like, stand up you know, push the chair in, open the door, close the door, right? Logan, you that's can go so too common. far. Right? It's so common. <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, you, you need to find that sweet spot of what do we document as we operationalize things there? So forgive my rant, but everything you were sharing there was just bringing back, you know, lots of things from my own experience in agency leadership for sure. Well, it's so true. And it's true when it comes to documenting systems for managing clients. And that's true once you start documenting systems for managing your own marketing and business as well, is you want to leave enough flexibility in there and autonomy in there that whoever implementing can actually look at other options and see like, maybe this isn't the best way to be going about this anymore because the vehicles are going to change. The rate of effectiveness of different tactics is going to change. And so you have to have the flexibility and you have to teach your team how to be comfortable identifying different opportunities and how to be comfortable making change, kind of rocking the boat a little bit. I know that's a little bit scary for some agencies, but you have to teach them that it's okay. And you have to model that for them as well so that they know like, oh, like if I recommend that we do something different, I'm actually going to be celebrated, not you know, cast out of the tribe kind of a thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's very important, especially right now in the environment that we're in where, you know, margins are are tight Mm -hmm. and, you know, it feels a little riskier to to try something new. Yeah. Well, Danielle, before we get to our final two segments that we always have here on Agency Life, I wanted to question you on on one thing. If someone listening to this is saying, okay, we're going to take your advice. We're going to Step one was get a little bit more time allocated each week from the founder to dedicate to sales and marketing. We're going to bring more people into it. I like what you said there in structured volunteering. And then they're going to look at, you know, what things might work for them and then look at iterating and measuring with this idea of experimentation and testing and trying things along the way. I think that's kind of the the progression I hear you saying. How could someone try to follow all those steps and still hit some major pit? falls and fall flat on their face, as we were saying earlier. What are some of the things you would recommend folks listening to this who want to implement what we're talking about, but look out for some pitfalls that they might hit right out of the gates? Yeah, I think the biggest pitfall is a mindset pitfall. And this is that your clients should always take priority over the agency marketing efforts. That is the mindset that has gotten you into the position that you're in in the first place. And so you need to flip that script a little bit and recognize that if you don't do the marketing and business for your agency, everyone's going to be unemployed. So flip that script a little bit. I know that's a little bit, a little bit dramatic, but it does happen. It's, it's very real. And the other thing that I would make mention of that we haven't talked about yet is identifying ways to incentivize your entire team to be focused on sales targets as well. Something that's really interesting to me in agency life that goes relatively unnoticed is that project managers oftentimes make great salespeople. And that's a growth path that is generally not explored by very many agencies that I think should be explored. So something that you might consider doing is identifying project managers that have been at your agency for a long time. I'm thinking like five to 10 years plus for this kind of scenario. They know a lot of your clients. They know the ins and outs of every single thing that your agency does. They know the problems you solve. They know the problems you create and how to solve for those problems. And they're able to talk intelligently with your client base. They make great candidates to train into that sales role instead of hiring someone from the outside, which most of the time doesn't work out super well. 
The other thing, too, is that if you've got your entire team working on your lead gen initiatives, you can do performance-based bonuses off of that. You can do individually-based performance bonuses. You can do team-wide-based performance bonuses. I personally recommend doing a combination of the two. But you can actually develop out a matrix. You can have tiers that are designed to motivate them and reward them to hit like goals that are more achievable and then like really big stretch goals and have some multipliers on what what those rates of payout are going to be. And then give them that specificity of like, if you hit this target, this is what it's going to mean to your paycheck next time. And give them that specificity so that they know it's that communication and then holding people accountable and getting them super excited about being involved in the marketing and the biz dev so that you're not dragging them along. They're actually the ones pushing the agency forward. Wow. I think that's some really great advice. And it falls in line exactly with what we talked about last week on the show. In case you missed that episode with Lee McKnight Jr. at RWUS, they really focus on outsourced sales for agencies. And he talked about so many pitfalls, one specific story of an agency trying to go external and hire in someone to be that business development director. And it crashed and burned. And there are a lot of reasons and ways that that can crash and burn. So if you want more on that, you missed last week's episode, check that out, but really kind of expands upon what you just said there, Danielle. So I think your advice is spot on. Well, as we do every week, Danielle, we want to hit you with our fast five and also give you an opportunity to give someone a shout out who's impacted your own journey as a business leader. Are you ready for that? Ready. All right, let's do it. All right, same one that we touched on earlier that we hit on in our inbound recap episode. If someone gave you, Danielle, $10,000 a month to better run your business as you're consulting with agencies, where would you invest that extra infusion of cash right now? Yep, I would spend it on client delight initiatives and I would spend it on team incentives for performance goals. I love that. Uh, Investing in the people on both sides, the the client side and the team side. All right. Number two, Danielle, what are some of your all-time favorite business books, especially as it applies to uh, business, agency life, and everything we've been talking about today? This was such a hard list to pare down. I got it down to six. So uh, the book of Proverbs, very big go-to. Who Moved My Cheese, Essentialism, uh, Deep Work, Entree Leadership, and Never Split the Difference. Highly recommend all of those. Oh, yes. Love some Cal Newport and Chris Voss with Never Split the Difference. You know, it's a book about a former FBI hostage negotiator, but whether you have uh, aspirations to go into hostage negotiation or you're in sales or you're in leadership or you own an agency, I can tell you there are so many tactical things you can pull from that book. If you communicate with other humans, right. basically. Yeah. Well, and sometimes client conversations really do feel like hostage negotiations. So very good read. <laughs> That's probably the better tie-in. I love that, Danielle. All right. Number three of our Fast Five, what's one mistake you've made in running your business that you're never going to forget? Yeah. So I did not start out coaching agencies. I actually started out doing the marketing for marketing agencies. And when I started out, I had made a promise to myself that I was not going to offer social media management for some very specific reasons. I broke that promise to myself on a specific account and exactly what I expected to happen happened. Where as I was actually trying to be and my my team implementing was trying to be seen as the strategic advisors, they became known as, well, they're just the social media people. So that was a big mistake. Something that I tell my clients to avoid now, but you know, you have to fall into some of the same pits as well. 
<laughs> yeah. All right. Number four, Danielle, what's the hardest part about agency life in your opinion? Definitely managing client expectations. They get harder to manage every year and they are going to continue to get harder. So we as agency leaders, as project managers, as account managers, we have to become even more clever on how we are engaging with clients and make sure that we're monitoring what they actually expect from us and have some of those very just open, honest conversations. That's the key is have the conversation. They're uncomfortable, but once you start having them, it's a really big help. Now I did, so do we have time for an example? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. So I was just talking with an agency owner and we were talking about how they need to be having conversations with their book of business. They've got a lot of um, website care plans that they manage and they don't do regular meetings with their book of business on their website care plans. And we were talking about how they need to be doing that. And they actually expressed to me like, I know, I know that I need to, but I haven't been doing them for so long that I feel a level of shame and guilt about doing that. So I just want to call that out. Like if you've not been doing it right now, just walk yourself past the shame and guilt, go ahead and get some meetings on the books. And then over time, you're not even going to remember that you didn't have those calls before. You'll be able to build those relationships and keep your business moving forward. Oh, that's great advice. And I can remember a time when, again, I was helping lead an agency and we realized that, hey, a lot of the account managers are just communicating with clients via email and they're not getting on calls. And so oh my gosh, yes, we implemented a, a quarterly, we actually called them QPRs, quarterly podcast reviews rather uh -huh. than uh, QBR, just to try and spice it up a little bit. But I would definitely echo your recommendation there, Danielle. And another resource on that front, because managing clients expectations is so hard. If you're a regular listener of the show, you might not know that we also do a monthly live stream. And here coming up in a few weeks, we're going to have a live stream webinar under the Agency Life banner on how to stop over-servicing clients for good, managing those expectations, managing those relationships, and some of those hard conversations, even if they are partially your fault in these situations like yeah. you're recounting here. So if you want to join us for that later this month in November, check that out in the show notes and you can register for that. All right. On to the other side of that coin where we always wrap up our fast five, Danielle. What do you think is the best part about agency life? The best part about agency life and the reason that I've been a part of various agencies for my whole career is because you get to make an impact in more than one business at a time, in more than one team at a time, and you get to make impacts in individuals' lives at a greater scale, really, if you take the opportunity to do so. So that's an amazing benefit of working as an agency for clients. So we should take advantage of that every day, every moment. I love it. All right. Well, the, our final question, as we always have here on Agency Life, Danielle, who's one person you want to give a shout out to who's impacted your own journey for the better? Yep. Can I give two? Can I break the rules? That, that's allowed. Okay. okay. We'll Sorry. Make an exception. It's happened before, candidly, so you're not alone. Okay, great. I'm not the only rule breaker here. So I want to give a shout out to Randy Monroe. He was my first ever agency boss, and he taught me a lot of great foundational skills about one, how to be a great human and how to keep your work and your life both operating very functionally uh, in tandem with each other. And then another shout out to Danielle Russell, another really great boss of mine and um, president of an agency and has taught me a lot about what it means to be a great leader, a great manager and how to bring the best out of people. So shout out to both of y'all. 
All right. Well, you gave two and they were both phenomenal. So I love that, Danielle. If anybody has gotten a ton of value from this conversation and you're new on their radar as they're listening to this episode today, what's the best way for them to reach out or stay connected with you and the team at Momentum Marketing, Danielle? Sure. I am active on LinkedIn. You will not find me on any other social media, but you can find me on LinkedIn. All right. Easy enough. Well, Danielle, thank you so much for being our guest on Agency Life today. It was a pleasure to chat with you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Logan. You've been listening to Agency Life, and we hope you've been enjoying each and every episode. If so, you've probably got a friend who'd find the show valuable as well. Sharing a podcast with someone in your network is an easy way to add value and show someone that you're thinking about them. Somebody probably came to mind for you just now. Go ahead, shoot them a text with something like, hey, I've been listening to Agency Life, and I think you'd like this episode I was just listening to. They'll probably really appreciate it, and hey, we will too. And if you're looking for even more content to support your agency life journey, check out teamwork.com slash agency life. There you can search through past episodes, get access to the agency life newsletter and find additional video content to support and inspire you as you continue on this crazy roller coaster ride that is agency life. 